What's Better Today? And welcome to the Leadership Advantage podcast by Dr. John Kenworthy. The Leadership Advantage isn't some magic pill or silver bullet to instant success as a leader, but I'm sharing the art and neuroscience of hacking expert leadership to unstuck your potential in life and work. Welcome to this edition of the Leadership Advantage podcast with me, John Kay. The captain's voice bing-bonged into the silence and calmly informed us to assume the brace position. The stewardess asked us to sit down and brace. 40 seconds later, everyone began scrambling to their feet. An old man blocked the aisle as he opened the overhead locker, seeking his carry-on. The stewardess asked him nicely to forget his bag and move to the front of the plane. Minutes later, more than half the passengers who were still on board were informed that they had just died in a fireball as the fuel tanks exploded. I resumed my seat for another round of this evacuation simulation to assess and train flight crew and emergency response to a forced landing at Manchester Airport. Officially, I was already dead, having been one of the unfortunates in the aircraft behind that belligerent old man. In the next round, the lead stewardess was a petite and sweet young thing and she sweetly asked everyone to sit and relax. This time, they served us a typical airline meal, and halfway through, alarms sounded, and out of the shocked chaos, a shrill, authoritative voice penetrated with absolute clarity of no-nonsense, follow these instructions. If I mention Bernadette from the Big Bang Theory, you'll likely get an instant understanding of just how commanding this member of flight crew was. The belligerent old man had to retrieve his carry-on, of course, but this time he swiftly moved forward. There was just no way anyone wanted to get on the wrong side of this lady. This time, I got to enjoy jumping down the door slide and walking onto the rain-soaked tarmac. This time, all passengers survived the fireball. In times of emergency, a straightforward command approach to influencing a leading is, perhaps, the only sensible choice. When there is no time for engaging people or asking politely, you can get a swifter response to a clear command. But would you want your boss to use that approach every day? I've had bosses who struggle to influence me well, and I've quit more than one job where the boss barked commands and then bastard us with insults as a means of influence. See, influence, like leadership, is situational. There is no one correct style, no one way that works for all people. Flexibility in style is key to be able to influence those you will need to during your life. we're better at influencing people who are more like us, we tend to surround ourselves with people we can more easily influence. And those people, well, they tend to be pretty well much like ourselves. 
And we miss the benefits of diversity and innovation when our organizations are filled with people who are essentially very much like each other. In this episode, I'm sharing how we tend to surround ourselves with like-minded and similar people and why that is not in our own best interest. Then I'm going to share about the two main approaches to influence and lastly, the five main influencing styles and how you can take my influencing style inventory and get your free profile report. In future episodes, I'll be sharing how you can leverage your influencing style and develop greater flexibility. So let us begin with examining our inner circle. As a leader, I attract who I am, not who I want, and often not who I need. Think of the people you surround yourself with, your chosen inner circle, and you'll probably find that they are very much like you. See, we like people who are like us, and more often than not, when we search for new people to join the team, the first question we ask is not, what are the qualities and competencies we need to seek and ensure that we benefit from more diversity in this team? No, the question that is asked is, who do we know who could do this job, fill this role? And the chances are that someone will know someone and that someone is going to have more in common with the team members than people unknown to the team. It's also why the most interesting and exciting jobs are filled before you get the chance to apply, unless you are known to someone on the inside. But that's for another day. The biggest downside for organisations is that when it is filled with people who are essentially similar to each other, we have no diversity and few challenges to our way of thinking. We easily fall into groupthink. Do you remember when you last changed jobs, maybe an internal transfer or to another company? That first two weeks, you notice one or two strange things in your new team. They appear to be wasting time on something or perhaps they were taking extra steps to achieve a task. You watched and maybe even timidly asked why. You weren't trying to be difficult. On the contrary, your experience and knowledge is a useful addition to the team. But you are the newbie and probably don't quite have the confidence yet to insist on the change. The answer to your question, why do you do that, was met with a variation on this simple response. Because that's the way we do it. You might ask someone else and get a similar response because that's the way it's done the way we've always done it and it works for us see after a couple of weeks you went native it's highly likely that you gave in and you started doing things their way later someone new joins the team and shyly approaches you to ask why something is done that way your answer because that's the way we do it. So you went native and you became a coherent and obedient group member. 
Okay, maybe you're different and you manage to influence everyone to change to your better, faster, cheaper way of doing it. And now that is the way everybody does it. But John, I hear you object. We don't waste time and the way we do things is efficient and the most productive. Really? How many meetings do you attend that are a complete waste of your time? How much time do you waste clearing unnecessary emails? And why is that? Could it be because, well, that's the way we do it around here? Well, I tried to influence them, but they were so stuck in their ways, Bob told me during our coaching session on just this topic. And just how did you try to influence them, Bob? Did you push them or pull them towards a new way of responding? In my research, I found that individuals exhibit one dominant style of five distinct styles to influence. And there are two main approaches. Start with the two approaches. The two approaches are a push approach and a pull approach. Pushy influencers are people who show a need to control and dominate others. In extreme cases, it's their way or the highway. These people tend to tell, then sell, then some will yell to get you to do something. I spoke about this in my last podcast as the tell, sell, yell approach to management. First, this person will tell you what they want sometimes very clearly and specifically, then, if needed, they will sell you on the rational benefits of doing this. If you don't see the benefit and follow the instruction, they may raise their voice to re-explain what and why. These influence advocate what you should do and why you should do it. This pushy approach works brilliantly well in many situations, especially those that need compliance and speed of response, just like that second stewardess, my Bernadette. The other approach is what I call the pull approach. Influence who choose this approach seek to engage with people emotionally and find shared purpose and meaning. That first stewardess, the one that got half of us killed, she was a little more pull. Fantastic for service and making us all comfortable during a normal flight. But as you're about to crash land, you want someone who is unafraid to take charge in the moment. All of us employed both approaches to a greater or lesser degree. My research shows that we will each tend more towards one approach than the other. There are those of us who are naturally, though I hate to use that word, more pushy, generally more assertive and results oriented, and those of us who are more pulley, engaging people and attracting followers rather than demanding compliance. Within these two approaches are five particular styles that my research has identified. These styles are the conqueror and the controller, which are more push in their approach, more assertive and logical. Conductors and connectors tend to be more emotional and pull people toward them, and the conjurer juggles the two in the middle. Through my research, it seems that we have a dominant style, not to the exclusion of the others, but rather this is a default style of influencing. 
the one that has been the most productive in our experience and the style will default to when under pressure and stress. Like that stewardess on my first evacuation simulation in Manchester, she could easily switch on her barking orders method because as the smallest member in her family of seven siblings, the only way she had been able to win battles at home was to be louder and more commanding. In the other case, uh, she had gotten everything at home by whining and being rather pathetic, winning sympathy. I know who I would rather be in charge of my flight in the event of an accident. So what's your dominant style? I've created a wonderful short online assessment tool that you can use to learn your dominant style. It takes just three or four minutes to complete and I will run your analysis and send you a free report by the next working day. No, it's not yet fully automated, uh, giving you an instant result yet. Sorry about that, but I am inviting Advantage VIP members to take it entirely for free. So let's look at these five styles in brief. The conqueror is assertive. They state their preference clearly and with authority. This person revels in a challenge and adversity. They focus on results, and by that I mean right now. They tend not to endure excuses. If you recall Maggie Thatcher, the so-called Iron Lady, she was clearly a conqueror in her style, almost to the exclusion of all others. I've worked with many highly successful financial and salespeople exhibiting this style. The controller uses logic and rationale to present their ideas. They can be aggressive and seek power and control information. This style seems to suit the civil service very well and the majority of politicians. It works very well for the tell-sell-yell management method. The conjurer is someone who excels in negotiating to find common ground. These individuals repeatedly triumph over adversity but often make their own lives terribly difficult. Michael Eisner of Disney, Herb Keller of Southwest Airlines and Hank Greenberg of AIG show much of this style, working effectively with many challenging situations and coming out on top. The connector style, they create bridges between people. They tend to fall into two distinct camps, those who are takers type of people who may claim recognition from others and givers, those who deliberately add value to others, often at their own expense. Bob Berg is one of the great proponents and examples of the giving type of connector. And Ivan Meisner, uh, head of BNI, obviously gave us givers gain. A couple of people that will be extreme examples of successful takers, Bernie Madoff and Ken Lay. Conductors. Conductors influence others through shared purposes and broader possibilities. They empower others and rarely take centre stage. They inspire others and bring people together in harmony. I found through my research that we each tend towards one dominant style. This is the style that has worked best for us through our lives, usually from a very young age. It's our default style when we neglect to think from the other person's point of view. 
So, what's your style? I have two things for you to uh, hack expert leadership today. Firstly, consider how you influence others. List the top three characteristics of how you influence other people. Be honest and completely candid. Think of your boss, your peers, your family, your friends. Are you forceful? Do you respect them always? Do you manipulate, perhaps intimidate? Do you give much and gain little? Do you trade or barter? Do you expect reciprocity? Secondly, take my Influencing Style Inventory and get a free profile report. It takes just three to four minutes to complete the assessment and I will send you a personally run report within one working day. You'll be able to use this report to get a quick understanding about your dominant influencing style, the plus points about it and some of the potential drawbacks that you may face when trying to influence some people. You'll also learn which style is least dominant for you. Weakest is another word. This may highlight why you have difficulties influencing particular individuals and thus provide a possible area for development. In the next episode of the Leadership Advantage podcast, I'm going to share with you how you can leverage your dominant influencing styles and improve your flexibility to influence and hence lead more effectively. Until then, here is the link to your free influencing style inventory. episode and we'll share some highlights with the people you care about most. My team and I are working on a series of exciting new projects in this art and neuroscience of hacking expert leadership to unstuff your true potential in life and work. To learn more, visit leadershipadvantage.com or just search for Dr. John Kenworthy and connect with me.